Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. That's, that's it. I just hit the record button. We are cranking my guest today. I'm excited about this one. He is, wow, decades of sales and sales leadership experience, uh, entrepreneur, writer, business leader, uh, but has experience understanding of, of the sales and marketing side. So we're going to get into that today, better understanding sales, how we can better support them in the marketing world and, and just all around be better revenue drivers in our companies. Founder and president at Sales Roads, David Krieger. Welcome to the show. Great to be here, Casey. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, this is exciting. You've been doing this for a long time. I have, I have. Salesroads is going on its thirteenth year, uh, so that's uh, that's crazy. You know, maybe fifteen years since I was planning it for two years because I'm a planner, which maybe we'll talk about. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and Your kid's did, a teenager did, now, you know. No, and he, he's he's getting a little unruly here. So yeah, they uh, usually do around thirteen, don't they? Companies <laughs> they go they get crazy. Mine's uh mine's a to- not a toddler. Mine's uh mine's in in primary school. You know. Okay. Very it's nice. Good. It's good. Those are good years. Those are fun, fun fond memories of those years. Companies still snuggle you at those points. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So so hey, let me uh, let me let me. This is our sales leadership um, series. I want to pass you this thing and we'll get this show started. All right, it's kind of heavy for me, but you're in sales, so I know you got this. Ugh. Okay. Oh my go. gosh, I'm Thor's Thor? hammer. You got it. You want to grab uh, it. Let me let me let me grab it. Uh, oh, there you go. Okay. Oh, there we go. Great. <laughs> okay, so take Thor's hammer and yes. smash for me some kind of myth, bogus strategy, misconception, just set the record straight once and for all. Yeah. So one, you know, one thing I think uh, is important, and actually uh, I had a conversation with an old friend of mine who I knew when I was thir- 13, uh, who's a marketer uh, just a few days ago. And he was talking about how he, he could never be in, in sales. It just, you know, uh, uh, you know, more behind the scenes, more quiet, quiet type, you know, um, and, and whatnot. But I'll tell you this, this guy, is is one on one is so personal. Um, yeah. He's interested in people, right? Um, and you know, I think so many people, and I think maybe a lot of marketers, uh, you know, have this feeling that like sales is all about the gift of the gab and being able to go out and be the life of the party and be able to like call attention to yourself and you know just always yeah. have have the 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 next best thing to say and be able to make people laugh and all that type of stuff. It's really just not about that. Um, not Mr. From, Popular from, in high school kind of thing. Hey, no, how you doing? Yeah, exactly. Right? So cool. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're the people you think are going to be going to be the best and 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 uh, grow up to be salespeople and whatnot. But um, I definitely wasn't wasn't that, and um, I still am not today. I mean, I am definitely uh, much more introverted than I am extroverted. And a lot really? of people think, oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I you know I. This whole whole quarantine thing, you know, I I, I I didn't come up with it, but I read on Twitter that somebody said that they were uh, practicing social distancing their entire life. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like that spoke to me, and I'm my whole life is about sales. You're right? doing so, great, man. You're like, oh, good. I didn't I, now I have an excuse not to talk to people. <laughs> that's right. I could just stay in my home and hang out and just read books and just that's do right. you know do do my own thing. So. Um, but you know, I, I I do, and I think it maybe holds people back either from going into sales or maybe taking part in the sales process and things like that because sales isn't about that, you know, that that gregarious person who's just always talking and always uh, being being interesting and has the next best story to tell. It's actually, in my opinion, it's the opposite. It's the person like my my friend who I was talking about who's interested. In, in the people that they're talking to and asking them the questions and asking and just want to listen and remembers what they say. You know, that person uh, who you described, Casey, in, in high school didn't probably remember what, what people said to, to yeah, them. And, you totally. know, it just wasn't, it was all about them, right? About them. But the best, I and mean, we've all been through through sales process, the best salespeople are those that are listening to us, hearing us, coming up with new ideas, thinking about things. And if you think about it, you know, that is the, the introvert skill or at least the person who, 
has that type of propensity to really listen to people and, and think about people and, and try to solve their problems and care about people. And so I do think that that is a huge myth. And I think it's detrimental because I think, um, you know, I'm biased, right? But but I think sales is such a such an amazing profession in the sense that really we're trying to help solve people's problems and trying to bring new solutions and help them with their, their businesses or whatever it might be. Um, and that's, that's an awesome career. And if you are interested in, you know, solving people's problems and learning about people and whatnot, it's a great career and it can create a lot of value for people. And so I think it's an important myth for people really just to realize, you know, it's not true. It's actually in many ways counterproductive. And if you are more of that introverted personality, in many ways, you're going to crush it in sales. Interesting. Cause I know we've got, you know, all these kind of movies that come out and are like, Oh, this is how it really is. I keep seeing Leonardo DiCaprio's face when he's Wolf of wall street laughing like, ah, like, I, I didn't, right. I don't even remember any of my last prospects. I'm just closing deals. They're all suckers, right. you know? Right. Um, and we're and saying how did that, that end for him? <laughs> right. <What's that? laughs> how did that end for him? You know, I didn't get to the end of movie. I literally fell asleep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it just, it was just cause it was more of the same. It was like, okay, more of the same. It was fun for a while. I think I checked out shortly after he pushed the helicopter off the ship. I mean, that was cool, I guess, <laughs> right. unless you wanted a helicopter later, but um yeah, how did it end for him? <laughs> Jail. <laughs> Jail, got it. Uh, but I mean, he's made a comeback because he's kind of learned the, the error of his ways. But I think that's a great story, uh, anecdote, Casey, because yeah. like that's exactly, I mean, he wasn't in it for them. He wasn't selling to like try to help people out. He was looking to like take people's retirement funds away, right? And who, right. you know, who, who wants to do that? And at the end of the day, it, oftentimes it catches up to you, right? And and he's worse off for it. I mean, he's, because he's, he's, he's got an interesting story now. He's kind of learned from it and try to like, you know, do, do better things and whatnot. But, um, but yeah. it just, it's not a long-term sustainable strategy because at the end of the day, you're not, you're not helping people. Um, and it's not a good way to sell. So yeah, no one wants to be sold to, you know, like yeah. it just, it just feels icky. It's, it's why like I dreaded going to the, the car dealership and just like, Oh God, I don't, I brought the missus with me. She was my, she was my secret negotiator. They thought I would, I was going to be the tough one. I'm like, no, no, you haven't met her yet, man. Like, I'm going to go get some coffee. I'll let you guys chat. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah. So, so why, why do we have this misconception? Is it the movies? Is it, I mean, people in sales can be like that or like, why is this such a myth that needs to be understood? Yeah. It's a good question. I'm not 100% sure, but here's a few maybe thoughts. Um, one is that I think those people do generate the most attention, right? You yeah. know, and they, so we don't see that person uh, at the side of the trade show who's having that meaningful conversation, you know, with a CMO or a CRO. It's right. that person who's in the big group and calling and telling all these stories and, and is getting all the attention. But at the end of the day, listen, they, I'm sure they'll sell some stuff, but they're not, you know, they're, they're 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 not getting uh you know the, the meaningful information that's going to actually allow them to understand who in that group needs their product or service and how they can help them right so right. i think a lot of it is that that they, they they're good at generating attention they're good at generating buzz um and the folks who are the quieter ones you know don't <laughs> they don't call attention to themselves but they're they're getting things done in the background um and so that might be a big reason for it. I also think, you know, I think that you, you brought up these movies, you know, um, if, if Leonardo DiCaprio was, was an introvert, right. And the Wolf of Wall Street was an introvert, wouldn't make for a great movie. Right. So how many movies are made about that rock star? Right. Sales okay. Person? What would that be like? What would that be like if the Wolf of Wall Street was an introvert? How, how would that go down? Do you think? so how, how how how's your family doing today and you know like <laughs> ask you know, random questions over the phone instead of wheeling and dealing and, and, and right. whatnot so um you know, how's, you gerald? how's gerald is his knee feeling better <laughs> right right is bernard doing well is he uh taking yeah. all his meds today no uh yeah driving you know the 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 the, the nissan instead of uh driving right. a, a helicopter. taking the right. subway taking the bus there nope, we go. not the bus that too many people <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah so you know i think the, i think the media not the media but the you know um hollywood uh yeah. glamorizes it right it's interesting yeah um you know glenn gary glenn ross i mean right everybody knows that 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 movie uh and it makes for for amazing cinema right or amazing yeah. plays but uh uh it yeah introverts are just not that fun not that interesting yeah. well, they're not yeah. that they're not that fun because i'm so but they're not it doesn't have that shine well they're fun 
but like to your point, different way. They're, they're fun to hang out with maybe, but I don't think it's like, I don't think you'd trust your, your child with that kind of a person or, you know, like to babysit them or yeah. Or like your, your, to your point, your, your retirement account, you know, you're like, Oh, fun to hang out with at a party. But, right. um, but yeah, no, I'm going to go with this other person who is actually listening to me. Right. Um, do you think marketing could learn a lesson from that? Cause it sounds like there's this sort of core principle underneath it around listening and caring. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the best marketers definitely, um, uh, do this and, and there could be a, be a lesson for those who, who don't. And I think it is, you know, one of the things I've, I've definitely uh, collaborated with marketing and part of what our service also, you know, provides in, in, in as an ancillary benefit is you want to talk to your prospects, right? You don't want to yeah. just like think about, you know, what you think they're going to want. Um, and I think consumer marketing a lot of times does this even better than B2B marketing because you have, you know, more around focus groups and all, you know, that type of stuff. But B2B marketing is so important to really just reach out both to your current customers, but to prospects, you know, and think about, this is who I think my ICP is. This is this buyer persona, this buyer persona. Oh, and marketers should just call them and have a conversation and talk about it. But a lot of times, you know, maybe it's the introvert personnel or, or maybe we think of that sales role or whatnot. But I think it's really important to have those conversations and just ask those questions and listen to them um, so that you make sure that you're delivering the type of content and messaging that really resonates with them. Yeah, it's such a it's such a weird thing to try to use surveys to to get to know people better, right? It's almost like the introvert went too far and said, here, fill out my survey. And it's like, you know, just maybe just a little, little quick phone call. You're going to pick up on yeah. some things. And it's the question after the question, you know, it's that follow-up. Yes. Why does this matter to you? And those kind of things. I, it's so much, you, you can't have a radio button for every option, you know, and you're just going to bias your results and all that. It's crazy. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that's so true. The question after the question, I mean, how can you predict for, for that? Something is going to be interesting to you and you got to ask and probe about that. And you can't predict that in the survey. Otherwise, you got, you know, a, a crazy, crazy survey that you're putting together. Right. <laughs> no matter what they answer. To, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. You just have <laughs> right. it built in every time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's true. You could do that. It'll turn that survey into like a counseling session. Oh, <laughs> how, how did that make you feel? Right. You went on G2 Crowd. How did that make you feel? Um, what, what kind of things are you seeing between um, sales and marketing that you know, either alignment issues or you know, things that get in the way of them working together? Yeah, and I think I think a lot of companies have started to to really um, address this. Uh, yeah. I know you had Daryl Prail on on recently. Who's you know Daryl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I, he's a great. great dude, though, huh? He's just he like is, a stand-up guy. He's Even as a Canadian. Oh, what's that? Even as a Canadian, you know? He's just, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to let him up. We love him. <laughs> yeah, no, he's great. He's got, I mean, he's got great energy. He's got great marketing skills, great sales skills. Um, you know, so it's, I think he's got great content that they they put out there at Vanilla right. Soft. We're, we're a partner of theirs. We love, you know, That's cool. he, so it's, uh, it's great. Um, and for the know, record, was, I do love Canadians too. <laughs> <laughs> I just like making fun of Daryl. Right, yeah. Inside yeah, joke. Right. Go ahead. <laughs> you were you were chatting with him. Uh, well, yeah. Well, he was just promoted to, to CRO, and I think yeah. a lot of companies are are really thinking about it in that way because when you do have these two silos of VP of marketing and VP of sales, um, it's harder um, to 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 bridge that gap. And so I think yeah. a lot of a lot of companies are are creating that role, like they, they you know like like they did for Daryl where it reports into one person who really gets in and is responsible and you don't have the finger pointing and all that, all that type of stuff, but also really have a coherent strategy between the two because um, marketing on its own, you know, can, can work and sales on its own can work. But when you put it together and you make it uh, a partnership uh, that is two, two way, you know, giving information back and forth, leveraging uh, insights from, from both uh sides it's really a beautiful thing so um i do think it is it, it is important to think about it in that way either have that position or really make sure there's a way that those two are working together yeah and do you do you ever see like what, what kind of ways do salespeople think of marketing wrong like i know we have our misconceptions on the marketing side but do you ever what, what kind of ways to do sales how are they viewing us the right way the wrong way or that kind of thing 
Yeah, so I think um, one is, um, is so, you know, I, I think it's, it's important to have, you know, regular conversations with, with marketing and sales, because yeah. I think, you know, what you're hearing on the phone uh, might be very different um, than what marketing thinks is the reality on, on the ground. And so I think, um, you know, if you don't feed some of that, that information into marketing, you're not going to be able to get what you need. And, and, you know, if there are certain pain points or certain types of content that you need uh, as you're prospecting in um, to cold prospects or as you're trying to nurture different folks through your, your funnel, you need to go and, and talk to marketing and, and make sure that they're aligned around getting those types of things for, for, for you. So, you know, I don't know if that's thinking about it necessarily wrong or, or not, but I just think that that communication is so important. Otherwise, marketing can spend so much time and, and attention on an ebook that really you're your prospects just don't care about you. Just you know, yeah. it's not something that's on their mind. That happens um, a lot. A lot, a lot. We just um, spent three months on this ebook, and you're like, okay, and then no yeah. one sends it to anyone. Right, because then yeah, it's it's it could be even counterproductive because it's all in the it makes you seem out out of touch. So you know, I just th I think it's really it's it's really important. And I I do think you know in this day and age, um, you know. A lot of buyers, as we all know, are, are going online, they're finding a lot of information. And so if marketing doesn't get that information from sales, you know, they're just shooting in, shooting in the dark and they're missing um, really a resource that's right there within their own company. I, I would say it's much, you know, uh, more important to have those conversations, really pick your, your salespeople's brains than to have an internal marketing meeting and come up with ideas. So combine them, right? Bring, bring yeah. everybody together. So Smart combining those right instead of trying to think of things in a silo um i, I see the tech too right tech can often like you got to connect your marketing automation with yeah. your your crm um you don't want to you don't want to abuse it you know on the sales side or the marketing side you see violations of that all over the place yeah i mean so uh, uh, uh that that that's that's true and i mean that's another thing that we we have definitely seen um and the tools that are out there are fa fantastic you know when i started the company we didn't have um you know there's some marketing automation but there's definitely no no sales you know cadence technology outreach didn't didn't come on the scene until a few years ago and it's sales lofts and they're amazing they're amazing tools um but one thing we've seen with with those is you know that they are uh, salespeople can sometimes hide behind them, right? Um, and they they look at those tools and they make them um, sort of their own little Mar Marketo or their their HubSpot or their their Mailchimp, and they just are blasting people people out. And they're they're um, not leveraging the tools in in the way that they really should. Um, mm -hmm. And that's by like do you know maybe mar marketing's come up with a few emails for you but you customize them and you really do a little bit of research and whatnot but if you just have marketing load you up with a few templated emails and you just blast it out and you're looking for somebody to reply before you pick up the phone you know i'll be honest marketing could just replace you right with with just you know part on or you know anything like that and so yeah. you know it's really making sure that the two are working together um in order to have that that amazing um you know, success that you can with the, these tools, but when used wrong, in some ways, I think a lot of sales teams can, can, you know, can, can hurt their productivity. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if all you're doing is just blasting out an email, just like marketing's doing, it's like, what are you, what are you doing? Why, right. why are we, why, why are you here? Why are we paying you commission on everything? Exactly. Right. We could just do that with a click of a button. Let's pay part of commission. To... <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, I know you do a lot of work with the inside. I mean, that is inside sales, right? Is that, that's your bread and butter. Um, yeah. It, yeah. What's the, what's the best way to approach that? Like I, I kind of come at it from a, you know, a lot of marketing experience. I've done some sales work, not on, you know, teams per se, but just in smaller companies and being a hustler kind of thing, uh, selling tuxedos. So no inside sales team there, but what, what should I know about inside sales? Are there some core principles to it? And then, you know, who owns it? What role should it play? How does it tie into marketing? All that kind of stuff. 
Yeah. So, so first of all, with inside, inside sales is an interesting term too, because in some ways uh, over the course of 2020, all sales has become inside sales, at least for now. Right. So, you know, from a technical standpoint, inside sales is really just folks who are, are staying in the office, making, making calls, just doing zoom meetings, things like that. They don't travel and, and go out. And so it is an, it's been an interesting year and it will actually be interesting to see what does happen in 2021 um, because over since since I started the company, you know, in 2007, um, inside sales was always the stepchild to you know outside sales or field sales, um, and um, it, it, the amount of quota was much less for inside sales than outside sales. All the big deals were closed by outside sales, right? You know, they go on, you know, yeah. and what we've seen over the past 13 years is that inside sales has continued to, to increase as far as the amount of quota, the amount of budget that was being put in outside sales as a proportion has, has decreased. But still, I believe, and I don't remember the exact numbers, you know, before 2020, outside sales still had, had more quota than inside sales. But, you know, even before all this happened, there was a lot of benefits to, to inside sales, right? Yeah. Um, you didn't have all the, the, the travel costs, right? Um, you in, in some ways are more efficient because you're not getting on planes. You just can can go from meeting to meeting just by clicking a button and going on Zoom. And then also we've seen the buyer change, right? Back in the, the day, um, you know, a lot of buyers wanted to be taken out to fancy dinners and go on golf outings and things like that. And there still was a place for that and still will be a place for that. But buyers have become a lot more busy. And a lot of times they don't want to spend four hours with, with, with a salesperson. They want to get the information. They want to hear from them. They want to know how their business can improve and then they need to move on to the next thing. And inside sales is better equipped for that. And they would some buyers would prefer to have a Zoom meeting than have someone in their office that they feel this feeling like they've got to kind of entertain them too, right? Because they've come right. out to visit them. So we've seen this trajectory happen over the past 13 years. And 2020 is a very interesting inflection point because this year everything had to be, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, inside. Inside, and, yeah. Right. And so what I'm curious to see what happens uh, next year um, and how much stays inside um, and how much stay, you know, goes, goes outside. So, um, so that being said, um, you know, that's kind of the lay of the land of, of inside sales. Now we, we at sales rows deal with one portion of inside sales. So inside sales can be the AEs as long as they're just not, you know, traveling, they're, they're doing everything over their, their, their computer, you know, there's the other part, which is just, just the prospecting, you know, and just yeah. doing, you know, finding new appointments and, and, and new opportunities for, for AEs. And that's what we really do uh, specialize in, in inside sales. So there's kind of a few different, different portions. Gotcha. Now I want to talk about the, um, get more into this, but the idea that um, the buyer has changed, right? The buyers changed, don't necessarily want to be, wined and dined or don't have time for this or that or it can be kind of awkward like okay we're sitting in boardrooms and you brought me a basket of treats i hope um <laughs> by the way one time i i brought um or someone on our team Ari, she brought in these like gourmet donuts in chicago in like okay. imagine that two days prior i just like committed i'm gonna go low carb for the next month or so and i'm like <laughs> what am I? and i had to stare at these donuts for this entire sales meeting um <laughs> it was hard, it was hard. and then they're yeah. like wow this one's maple wow this one's this i'm like oh my gosh uh ironic um that's awesome but you're right. right sometimes the buyers are shifting to where let's just let's just bang this out guys let's just get on a call show me what i want to see let you know answer my questions and in you know do you think that maybe that the, the change in from that extrovert to the introvert has changed with this like because you're right the person on the phone is a good listener versus the good talker like you, you put this used car salesman on a zoom call and you're just like get out of here <laughs> like get off my computer whereas maybe they were more comfortable being out and about with their nice suit and you know doing the dinner thing and they know what to order and what bottle of wine to order so like they were better equipped for that outside sales kind of mentality I think you're right. I think that's a really, a really good point. I think that the way that this has shifted has uh, made it easier um, and introverts like myself more effective um, yeah. with, with, with buyers because that's what they want. They don't want somebody talking their ear off necessarily for a half hour and telling this funny story. They've got so many other things they've got to do, right? It's yeah. great to laugh, but not 
you know, I don't have time for it <laughs> right now, right now. So I do right. think, I think you're right. I think that, that the shift, um, I, I still would argue even before that that type of mentality of being the good listener and asking questions and things like that paid more dividends than people thought. But, but I think it maybe has put it on steroids that, that the inside sales, uh, type of thing where you've got an hour with somebody or maybe two hours when you're doing a real deep demo or, or whatnot versus entertaining them all night definitely favors the, the introvert over the extrovert. Yeah, I, I remember sometimes we'd have partners ask us to do like an executive dinner with them, um, bring in some customers, do an executive dinner. And, our, our, and I always put my foot down and say like, if we can present, like if we can teach some people something great, yeah. if it's just our name next to the filet, like I'm not interested. <laughs> it's just right. because I would get so much more with having a, a conversation where we can like learn and listen than just present. And, and so many people go to these dinners and they just get presented, like they just get pitched to the whole right. time and they should be asking them questions instead. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, just have a, have a small dinner, you know, small small intimate thing where you can really talk talk to them and really understand them and understand what the what what their needs are, what their goals are for that year. I mean, so much more effective than just telling them how great you are and how you think you, you can help them. Yeah. How uh, another question about transition. How do you have you worked with any companies that are are transitioning from say the the smaller deals and the smaller company sizes that they they serve to the larger? It's almost like everyone's dream to like serve the larger deals and the larger companies, um, and you know more 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 cash in per deal, and then you know less of the little ones to try to put out fires for. Like they're trying to grow up. I don't know if there's a term for that, um, but have you have you dealt with that in, in in any kind of transitions that sales has to make? So not necessarily like uh, enterprise versus, you know, smaller companies, though we yeah. do have, you know, we do have clients that will have sort of an enterprise, you know, like we'll put together an enterprise TAM, those would be, you know, we'll spend a little bit more time on those and, and do a little bit more research because obviously the, the value is, is higher. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so, so yeah, um, I think that's been somewhat consistent. I'm not sure if I see any any particular trends with with our clients what we definitely have, have seen or part part of what we think is really important and also is important good sales and, and marketing alignment is really making sure that people are are targeted in who they're they're going after and test different different markets so we really do try to work with our clients um, on on figuring out who their ICP is. And it's amazing, you know, we all, all think it's sort of table stakes, but a lot of companies, and it's tough. It's tough to really understand, you know, who, who, who your ICP is to test whether that really is your ICP and, you know, why, why that is and, 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 um, and, and validate it and then pivot a little bit if it isn't. Um, so those are some of the things that we, we've definitely seen companies trying to do um, to be more targeted and more effective with both their sales and marketing. That's a great topic. ICP, ideal customer profile. Oh uh, yeah, ideal customer profile. Yep. What What's the magic? What's your What's What's your secret sauce to figuring that? Out? Because I I agree, and it seems to be the the background. A lot of things, even like ABM and other target. Well, hey, you need to know who you're going after. But like, yeah, everyone can say that. But man, when you're looking at a list and you're like, I'd kind of like to work with all of these companies. How do you choose? Yeah. Yeah. So, so first of all, you, you do need to be, have a little bit of a discipline and know going in that you, it is better to choose, right? If you, especially for, for smaller companies, unless you're, you know, you're, you're Google or, or Zoom or any of these you know, companies with huge, huge uh, markets and huge uh, budgets to be able to address those markets. Um, it's much better to, to really figure out who you can service well and, Turn away the, the 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 rest, or at least not not proactively go after them, because the messaging and how you can service them is 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 very different, and you can only be so good and, and so relevant in, in in a few different ways. So first is I think you know Casey to your point is is having that discipline because it's tough, right? It we, you know, a lot of times people are like, I just want to service the, the the my whole market. Why why do I want to you know turn turn call everybody? <laughs> right, exactly. I want to I want to have as many clients as possible, right? Yeah. Um, but but you know going going niche um is 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 very effective. You know, I mean, there's that mantra. You know, if you, you chase two two rabbits, you catch none, right? So mm. uh, f figuring out, making sure you're you're focused, and then as far as the methodology, it's 
it, it's tough. And I think it's, it's, it's a few different steps um, that we, we recommend and, and do is one, you know, first trying to figure out, you know, take a look at your, your current client list and, um, and figuring out who you think are, are your, your best clients, right? Um, and then call them up um, and, and have deep conversations with them to really understand, you know, who they are and, and what it is that you uh, were able to do for them that, that created value at the organization. And then um, try to bring them back to what was the thing that happened um, when you first started looking for a company like ours, um, you know, you know, what was that impetus? What, what you know, what, 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 um, what happened at the company? What, what happened in, in your life? Whatever it was, where you started looking for for companies like ours, and try to take them back so you can get into to to their mindset um, right. there, and um, and then you know do do a, a few of the interviews and then just try to keep on reading over and try to find some similarities where where are there there are reasons uh similar and where you know what 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 is is different uh, about them um and a lot of times it's it's some of those those soft things that that really make the difference and really um are 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 the catalyst for for figuring out who your your ICP is, and then once you've done that, try to create a list, uh, and then you know reach out to them and see if your your value pop is resonating with those folks and validate it, and keep on testing and keep on testing and keep on pivoting. There's a lot of great stuff, and I, one of the key parts here is that communication we talked about earlier, actually talking to them. You know that you kind of have to get over that shyness or whatever made you go marketing and not sales in the first place to say like well <laughs> customers can be great especially your best ones the, the very first step you mentioned was like your best clients your best customers so they're not going to be nearly as scary as your worst customers <laughs> if you don't want to talk to them i understand we're not we're not focusing on them we're focusing on your best customers and then having a conversation with them they're probably remarkable people you can learn a lot from them yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. man where is this going we talk about the transition from Outside sales to inside sales, you hinted at like, who knows what comes after COVID, but like, let's say it's next year, things are opening up um, and they already are now, but like full swing next year, we're starting to see some conferences maybe going. Um, what, what happens to sales? What is anything change? If you were to predict, put your Oracle hat on and start predicting wild things and you'll have it on record here in a podcast. So if you're right, you can promote this podcast to everyone. Right. If you're and wrong, just we just hide it in the we'll just the do another theme. episode and be like, oh, <laughs> there we go. Dub over by now. I'll, just, uh, I'll do yeah, a dub yeah. over. Right. Uh, <laughs> that, that sounds like a good plan. So now that I'm speaking, no, nobody knows whether what I'm saying right now is the real thing if they're they're listening True. to it a year from now. So or the thing that we dubbed over to make sure that what I said. <laughs> oh, was dub correct. over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> um yeah, so I I really do think uh, that you know going back to sort of the trend line that that we saw, I think actually without 2020, inside sales was going to surpass field sales and and outside sales, um, and I just think uh, you know this was a a catalyst to make it happen faster, but I just think that the way, you know, again, you have to sell the way that buyers want. And I think buyers more and more are, are not wanting this entailed type of, of thing. A lot of times, I mean, we've seen those facts where they're actually doing most of the research before they even talk to sales, right? Yeah. You know, and, and, and self-servicing and whatnot. And so um, the salesperson really is coming in later later in this, the, the, the sales cycle and in, in a different way. Uh, uh, in a different way. Um, and I think that inside sales really can handle um, uh, as well or if, better um, the, the needs of those buyers than uh, somebody in field sales. And then with the, the amount of technology that's out there to support, you know, what you're, you're doing on an inside sales basis. I mean, from most the best example is LinkedIn, right? You know, the amount of information that you can just get at your fingertips through through LinkedIn. Uh, but Zoom is another, you know, uh, great example. I mean, just, you know, a few years ago, uh, or really even just a few months ago, people weren't really um, talking on, on Zoom. And I know it gets a bad rap. People are kind of like tired, have Zoom fatigue and whatnot. But 
listen, when you're having a meaningful uh, conversation late in the, the sales cycle, it is just an amazing platform, both yeah. to be able to easily relate to somebody, look them eye, eye to eye, but also to be able to present and, and show them and demo the software that you're looking to demo. So it just feels to me that, that inside sales is the way that people are going to be uh, building their, their sales team. And it, it, though it was the stepchild of outside and field side sales, it will be in some ways the reverse, right? The inside sales is gonna be the mastermind behind everything. And when needed, I will deploy a field salesperson, you know, and uh, at the, the command of inside sales. And so I think that it's really uh -huh. gonna be reversed within, within companies um, where quota will be much more heavily on inside sales. Um, hopefully salaries and commissions will be commensurate with that because of just you know, the productivity that I think an inside sales rep can have versus a, a field sales rep. And so that's really uh, where I do see sales going uh, into the future. Yeah, the productivity is such a key point with that. And, you know, I had a question. You work with a lot of people on sales, even taking over their sales. What do, if you had to pick like three things people get wrong when you first start working with them that you're like quick to fix or replace or whatever, would you would you have any answer for that? Like, are there some common things that people just whether whether it's a misconception or were they just bad practice where they their their sales is set up in a certain way that's wrong or they're doing things a certain way? Um. Yeah. So so one is uh is not being targeted. You know, we've talked a little gotcha. bit about yep. that. You know, and and with especially with proactive prospecting. You know, really being very careful about who you're reaching out to and who's your target market. Um, and a lot of times companies like we've talked about just you know, are, are going after everybody, but really it, it's so important to be able to, um, to, to be selective. I mean, for instance, let's say you, you have a, I mean, this is a, such an easy example, but you have a, a, a SaaS solution that integrates only with Salesforce. Well, make sure that you're, you're using resources that give you an indication as to whether those prospects are using Salesforce or not. And there's a lot of great resources to do that. I mean, that's pretty simple, but a lot of companies just don't even, don't God, even yeah, I could do see that. You burn in a bunch of cycles talking to people. This sounds great. We've got dynamics. And you're like, oh, right. I just, <laughs> Been a right. month selling this person and they don't have the tool yeah exactly so i mean that's a pretty obvious example but i think a lot of companies you know don't get that uh don't get that right um the other thing is you know i think a lot of companies do think both internally uh and externally that you know you just you just put it together and it starts to, to work right but this is such a it's such a process right both with making sure you've got the right people in, in the position, making sure you've got the, the right strategy and then coaching and iterating that, that strategy. And so one of the things that we really work with, with our clients on is that this is, this, it, takes, it takes some time, right? It takes time to really iterate and figure out whether you've got the right strategy and you need to invest in, in coaching your reps. You know, you can't just hire, you know, these all-star, what you think are all-star reps and say, go out and, and make calls or go out and close deals. It, it, it very rarely will, will work. You need to have an infrastructure in place that has some good training, has some good coaching, um, and then can, can really iterate. And a lot of times companies, they might even believe and know that that's the case, but they don't have the discipline, the time, the, uh, the resources to put that infrastructure in place. And otherwise you're just rolling the dice with your, your sales team. And, and more often than not, uh, it's it's not, you're not going to hit. Um, yeah. um, and so really putting that coaching infrastructure in place, which also going back to the inside sales thing, one thing I, 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 I didn't mention is, you know, with outside sales and field sales, you know, you, you, in order to really coach your, your, your field reps, you have to do ride-alongs, right? Mm. Um, and it's much harder to do that. Whereas with inside sales, gosh, I mean, you can listen to calls. There's such great technology with exec vision and gong and, you know, um, to be able to really understand what's, what's yeah. going on and be able to coach. And it's just easier uh, to do it. It's so important, you know, to coach, you know, the lower performers, but also your top performers, mm -hmm. right? You know, sometimes a lot of people don't coach their, their top performers because they're like, oh, they're hitting quota every, every day. But sometimes they might be doing one little thing that would allow them to double their performance uh, right. and, and you need to really make sure that you're, you're coaching everybody. Man, powerful stuff. Who are you? 
<laughs> how did how did how do you know all these things? Can you can you take us back in time to like little David? Did you always know you're gonna be in sales growing up? And it sounds like you weren't that the guy, neither was I that was like the, the natural field salesperson. So what was it like growing up? You where'd you grow up and what'd you want to be? Yeah. So um I I was born out in California. Um okay. My parents uh, were, 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 went to, to Berkeley, but were not hippies. My dad went to business school there back in the <laughs> 60s. So, uh, but, uh, so I was born out there, um, moved to Massachusetts, uh, Boston area, um, when I was 11. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I wanted to be a dermatologist growing up. No way. <laughs> really? Yes, I did. So my grandfather was a dermatologist, but I thought it was, so I thought it was well, cool. Well, I mean, whatever grandfather, I mean, grandfather's cool as hell. So I can <laughs> right, see that being the case. Yeah. So there you go. But then I went to college and I basically flunked out of uh, bio 101 and decided maybe if I couldn't master bio, maybe not the right field for me. Oh, so, that's uh, smart, right? But you did, do you go to school intending like, well, I'll probably go into medicine and- Yeah, pre-med. Yeah, I was, pre, I was pre-med. I wanted wow. to, 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 to be a doctor. And so- um, so yeah, so I, I decided that wasn't uh, the, 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 the best thing. I don't have a great, uh, I'm pretty good at synthesizing information, but not a great rote memory type of person. And so literally uh, memorizing the biology book and like things that it was not for me. I was actually, I was losing yeah. my hair back then, which you uh, wouldn't, wouldn't. Uh, can't, can't tell. You, like you got California yeah. hair. I know. There you go. Right. Uh And I could tell how much hair I was losing by, uh, by, by looking at the pages of my biology book and I could tell actually which pages I had studied the most. So, uh, so not for me, not for me. So then I, I, I kind of pivoted to, to, to business a little bit. I was, I got some internships. Um, and when I graduated from college, um, I had actually gotten a consulting job, um, and a small boutique consulting company uh, in Connecticut that uh, went and it was 99. So I don't even know how they, they did. It was like a great time. The comedy was booming, but they weren't doing very well. Yeah. And they called me two weeks before graduation and laid me off. So I got okay. fired from my first job before I even started. So Jeez. that was an auspicious uh, beginning. Like, to welcome to the real world, kid. <laughs> I know, right? There you go. Have a great graduation. So. Uh, but it was, it was the, you know, the internet boom, the late stage of that first internet boom. And so I yeah. decided to go work in an internet startup, which ended up being uh, the, the best thing. So I, I got hired by uh, the VP of sales and we were like 16 employees at the time. And he said, you know, we need um, a call center. We need some inbound s- support and we need an inside sales team. Um, and so go build it. And I was like, what? Right out of college? right out of college <laughs> so wow. i was like what, what 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 is that so i was you know like got uh you know call centers for dummies <laughs> books yeah. like trying to figure this stuff out but that's like i mean and that's the great thing about you know those types of jobs is you know the startup job is that you know if they see somebody who's willing to do something has got some ability they just like go figure it out um and he was an entrepreneur he had built a company you know adopt a highway you, you've probably seen some of the signs so he was an entrepreneur by trade that had been hired as the vp of sales at this company and he was you know very much into just roll up your sleeves and figure figure it out so that's what I did. <laughs> I figured out how to how to build a a call center and inside sales team, and then I was also supporting the the field sales efforts there. And we had built uh, a large outside sales team across the United States, and this was like the dot com boom where we had raised a lot of money um, for a company that really the fu- fundamentals were not not that great. Um, and we had actually hired somebody in China back then and, and Latin America before we had really figured out the, the model in the United States. Uh, but one thing that, that did happen is that the inside sales team actually even back then uh, outperformed the outside sales team. And so that was kind of a lesson for me. It was like, it was really interesting. You know, we can really manage these folks. Uh, we didn't have all the technology we had. We, we, you know, we were all in one place, but I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. So that company ended up going out of business and I went and worked for a more traditional marketing agency doing trademark licensing. And I ran um, 
the trademark licensing for the Ford Motor Company group. So all those little die-cast cars and shirts wow. and all that type of stuff. That was uh, the programs that, that I, I ran, which was interesting because I sort of, it was like a, a brand marketing, consumer marketing, uh, but also a sales aspect in that we were trying to sell the rights to, to a lot of different smaller vendors who wanted, cool. wanted that. So it was, it was an interesting experience, I, um, but I also realized that uh, I didn't love, it was more corporate, even though it wasn't a huge company and I, I just didn't love that. And so when I went back to business school, I really wanted to get either back into to startup world or more start my own company. And so um, uh, we, I entered a business comp, uh, plan competition and I didn't have an idea for a business, but uh, I started thinking, thinking about it and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I started reading about the distributed call center model. So this was 15 years ago um, and, and companies had already started um, having people work out of their home offices instead of a call center environment, but it was pretty, pretty early on. Yeah. Um, I said, that, that's awesome. Like why, why, you know, the reason we've had centralized call centers and um, is because you couldn't have people working everywhere. And I love the model. Um, and at the same time, I, at business school, a lot of uh, my friends were in the military and they had mentioned how a lot of their spouses had had trouble finding jobs because they move on average, you know, every three years they're moving from yeah. base to base. And so unemployment rates amongst military spouses is much higher than the general population. And so I said, well, this is kind of cool. Why don't we build a distributed call center just staffed by military spouses? So that was the original concept. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so we started as Home Base USA. It was like a double kind of double entendre, um, uh, and uh, uh, got got some support from Wharton and a little bit of seed funding, and decided oh, cool. to to launch it. Um, and what we found, um, so first I pivoted to the the out, outside sales. The first gig I got was from my first VP of sales, who who owned Adopt a Highway, and we were doing outbound prospecting for his company. And so we, and I said, why don't we just focus on doing outbound sales? Um, and I went from base to base recruiting different military spouses, but within a few months we were getting a tremendous number of applications from very well-qualified salespeople hmm. that weren't military spouses, but they just either didn't want to travel anymore and carry a bag, or they lived in a place where there weren't as many opportunities um, and they wanted to work uh, or they just had, you know, had home commitments and they wanted to be able to work from home. And so we're like, well, why? Why not just open it to, to the best salespeople that we can we can find and just recruit them all over the country? And so that's what we did. And that's we rebranded to Sales Roads and that's how we started the company. That that's a cool story. I can imagine being like, oh, this is this is great. We're gonna get all these military spouses and then all these other people like, what about we want in too? And you're like, oh, ah, yeah. my branding is all about the oh, right. gosh, what am I gonna yeah. do? Yeah, I mean, we were all about the military on our website, everything, yeah. and people were still applying because, you know, there weren't very many opportunities back then um, right. for, for virtual work. So um, we were one of the few reputable places where people could find a real meaningful job. Right. Man, crazy. So And so now th at this point, your team, uh, like you're like the outsource provider for those of, of like inside sales teams or? Yeah, so what we do is, um, so our, our clients who are looking to um, outsource or to generate more appointments uh, and opportunities for their salespeople, their AEs, um, they will outsource the top of the funnel sales development work to us. So instead of hiring a team of SDRs or BDRs and managing them um, internally, we do all of that work for them. So we have a team mm -hmm. of SDRs who have a tremendous amount of experience in prospecting and cold calling. Um, and then we become basically their outsourced SDR team. Um, and we have all the coaching methodologies and, and systems set up. And so that way they don't have to worry about managing and generating enough opportunities for their AEs. They can just make sure that they're working on managing their AEs and making sure they're closing and bringing those opportunities through their funnel. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, hypothetical for you. Hypothetical question. I might have a time machine. I know you're, you've been in this area, but it's in Nashville, New Hampshire, and it's in the back mm -hmm. covered with a tarp. But uh, after COVID, you come over, you get a chance to use the time machine. You go back in time and you meet yourself right after graduation undergrad you just you got fired just recently and you haven't even started the job yet um, or laid off um, and you get to talk to that version of you what kind of advice would you give that person knowing all the things you know and 
the company these companies that you started and all the different experiences you've had what, what would you tell you yeah uh so to start earlier um you know i i I think I loved working at the internet startup. I think that the next company I worked at though, it was interesting to, to do uh, licensing and things like that. Um, you know, I, I feel like it not wasted two years, but I, I just didn't learn as much in those, those years as, tw as a 20 year old, you can just learn so much. Um, and so I think um, I was the type of kid, even going back even further that I, even when I wanted to be, you know, it's interesting, I never really, Put it, you know, even though I wanted to be a dermatologist, I was always thinking of different business ideas, uh, you know, like and they're hokey or whatever, but like, you know, in my, my town in Massachusetts, there was one bagel shop and everybody would go to get bagels every, every Sunday. And I was like, why not create a bagel delivery service, right? You know, Bagel yeah. Express or whatever, you know, and I was like, this is cool. And I think about it and think about it, but I'd never do it. Right. Right. And I feel like, um, I should have just done it, you know, I mean, yeah. whether, who cares if it worked or not, right? It's just such a fun experience and you learn so much and you, you hear like all these great, you know, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Mark Benioff, the founder of um, yeah. Sa you know, Salesforce, you know, I mean, all these founders like like him, they, they had all these little businesses when they were, were young and, and, you know, whatever it was, you know, they were always finding ways to, you know, it wasn't about necessarily, it was fun to make money, but just to create things and, and do things. Nice. And I always was the type until I started sales roads or home base that I would be the person who's always thinking about the idea, but just never doing it. Um, yeah. And I think it's really important, you know, and I obviously I was afraid of failing or, or, or not, you know, not succeeding or spending time and not doing it, but it's like, you know, I think, I think, you know, it's a little, little cliche, but it's just so true to just, just go out and just, just do it and try these different things. And I'll be honest, I, because of that roadblock, there, there was, it was maybe a coin flip whether I actually uh, started my own company or whether I went and worked for someone after business school because I'm not really the, the risk taker. I'm not the person who just throws caution to the, the, the sure. wind. Um, and I said to myself, you know, in that moment when I was making that decision, I was like, if you really want to be an entrepreneur, you can make a decision right now and you get to be an entrepreneur, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, or yeah. if you don't make that decision, you're not an entrepreneur. So literally, who are you, David, right? right? Who, who are you? And I was like, you know what? I just got, you know, I, I, I want to be who I want to be, even if it scares the, the shit out of me, you know? Um, and so I, I think that advice and doing it earlier um, and also tasting, um, you know, failure earlier that, so that you really know it just doesn't matter. And it just, it's, it's, it's you know, you actually learn a lot more through, through those, those failures. So um, I know that's a bit, bit cliche, um, but I just, I, I feel it uh, so, so it, it rings so true. And, and I wish I had just started earlier. Yeah, no. And usually the cliche stuff is actually true and it's just bad marketing for the, the true stuff because <laughs> <Right. laughs> it's, it's usually the right stuff. And, Oh, that's cliche, but you should probably listen to it. Right. <laughs> you know? It's so, it's so weird with that. Now you, know, it's interesting now that I've had that mentality. Anytime I hear someone say it's probably cliche or whatnot, I'm like, I'm, I pay attention now. Because, right. That's true. That's a good right? point. Cause it's like, it, it's one of those like universal truths we should, that's true. We should pay attention to. Yeah, that's um, a, that should be a good book. Uh, all, all of the cliches, like my the 100 best cliches, <laughs> the, the best cliche, um, cliche wisdom or, but, you know, but right. the problem is even the word cliche <laughs> right, the is terms. like, so it'd be, have to be something around like the wisdom that the cachet of the cliche. <laughs> cliche cachet yeah there we go. yeah yeah i like that it's good there we go. we'll have to we'll have to work on this together all right there we go we got we got a project and to your point we need to start we can't just right there we go have ideas and ideas <laughs> and and then somebody else comes out with a book because they listen to podcasts and they're like right, right. <sighs> we we thought oh, of doing that i i did right. uber by the way i'm a friend of mine and i were like we should make an app on the cell phone that you know early iphone that calls a cab for you <laughs> like that's a great idea yeah yeah we chat, chat about it and we got stuck on what should we call it right. and then we just never really did anything with it and then some yeah. dummy comes up with uber which is I not know, right and it, that wasn't even their first name they had a terrible name so you guys could have started with a terrible name I'm trying you to should have started they, with a terrible name if they did then you could have changed it yellow phone app would have been fine <laughs> there you go as long as you were fine. going <laughs> so now so now when that stuff bonks you like oh wait Wait, <laughs> never again, right. Uber, never again. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, I was listening to, um, I don't remember who it was, but someone, uh, Peter, um, is it Teal? Um, From PayPal? Investor? 
Yeah, a Facebook investor, uh, PayPal. Yeah, yeah. PayPal. He, yeah. He had come to someone and he said, like, quit your job, I'll pay you. I got to look up who this person is, but quit your job, I'll pay you your whole year salary right now. And he, yeah. his response was, um, because he's working at Microsoft. And he was working at Microsoft. He's like, well, no, I want to stay at Microsoft so that I get um, level level seven on the certification or whatever no no level seven i'm about to get a raise i think and oh oh they oh right right meanwhile you have this guy over here saying i'll pay the whole salary right now come on let's go yeah and he was like that caught and eventually joined later on but it cost him he said it cost him 200 million dollars i'm sure had initial equity i wonder about that hubspot asked me a long time ago they're like i know you just started this job but why don't you come over here to the dark side the orange (laughs) side and i said no no I just started this job over here. I want to stay here. Yeah. Telling what I know about HubSpot, I'm kind of biased now toward Pardot. So this maybe never would have happened. Yeah, it all, all, all worked out. You uh, never know. Um, uh, but you know, well, when I, okay, go ahead. no, you go ahead. Yeah. So I mean, when I uh, was living in California, uh, my my dad was a was a lawyer, and he got an interview at a a little fruit company back in the day uh and you know came back and you know said these guys they have they have computers on all their desks and whatnot and i mean he knew apple was at that point but he didn't uh and uh so he he interviewed at apple early on um and wasn't sure if it was the you know it was a little maybe too risky of a bet for him so Uh. <laughs> you would have still had to ride it for for for. It would have, but you know, yeah. even the stock alone, right? right, so now, you go right? Back in time, um, here's all this good advice: start sooner. Oh, and buy Apple, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> or when you hear this co- company called Tesla, just go and buy it, <laughs> right? Don't don't go. then don't listen to the news. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, oh, that's crazy. But you you mentioned the risk taking, how you, and you're not necessarily a risk taker, but I know that you're into like piano and like jazz piano. Is it? And that seems like that's just the ultimate risk taking and just like going off on a riff and just making, making shit up and being okay with whatever happens. I mean, tell me about that. Have you always been musical? So my, uh, I've, I've always been interested in music and I come from, from pretty musical family. Um, you know, my dad was a musician. Um, my, my brother was, uh, was a musician. He actually had like a record deal. Um, uh, so, it's uh, so I, I come from that 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 stock, um, and so and I've got a, a little bit myself, but I n- never really like uh, gone out and you know performed and whatnot. And so I would actually say that that maybe feeds into my non-risk ticking because Interesting. I mainly yeah. uh, am playing for myself or at home. And one of the things actually, I I had um, I played a lot more in, in high school, uh, but have had kind of not given it up, but hadn't really been doing very much over over the past. You know, 13, 15 years even, and it's actually the pandemic where I, I came back to it, and I had uh, I went and got a keyboard out of my mom's uh, garage, one of my brother's old keyboards, and brought it in and just started yeah. started riffing again, and it's been yes. it's been awesome. That's cool, just a way to express yourself, you know, and and it. But tell me about what's different from yeah. jazz piano over like regular piano. Yeah. What makes so, yeah? What's the difference? So. Uh, I guess maybe more like classical or just well, the big thing for jazz that I love is just the improvisation side of yeah. it. And that um, I feel like I can be more creative and expressive. And I love, um, you know, just being able to like take a tune with a you know, a few chords and just, just, just hammer it out and just, you know, try to, try to be a little crazy with it and do some things that are a little different. And, and um, sometimes it really, sounds awful and sometimes like wow that was kind of cool uh so i like that i like that little improvisation uh aspect of it um and uh you know going back to my my rote memory thing yeah it's really hard for me to memorize or learn a whole long song a long classical music song that i I like classical music too but uh whereas with jazz i can just remember a few chords and just just play for for a long period of time and just do my thing wow i think it's a good point too that sometimes it's terrible right but you got you're trying stuff you know, and I think Absolutely. in TV shows and movies and recordings, you have these, you know, the, the famous greats, you know, playing something, but that's because they've messed up and played the wrong thing 30 million times, but they just keep going with it and they just never stopped. And so naturally, you know, what not to maybe riff on next or what, what notes not to play. And, and so you yeah. give yourself more of an alleyway. 
Yeah, or going with that, you know, sometimes you can take a note that just sounds really wrong and then sort of play around it and make it sound like you kind of intended to do it. It's really? kind of fun. Yeah, you can do it and then you kind of like play with it. And if you really do it right, you know, it can like seem like you were just kind of like doing something a little different and then you make it fit together. So, you know, and you got to just keep rolling with it, right? If you're actually performing it. Um, wow, so sounds like entrepreneurship. Fun. It is, it is kind of, right? Is that is that your next book? Is that going to be on entrepreneurships uh, and jazz piano? After we finish our cliche book, sure. Yeah, the jazz piano <laughs> founder right there. <laughs> there you go, right. After the cliche book? Okay. Yeah. So we got that one first. I have to start going to collect the cliches up. Clichecachet.com. There we go. <laughs> or dot uh, AI now, and then maybe the, the, the algorithm will learn what the next yes. cliche is, and it will just keep on, uh, keep on uh, generating them for us. And then we're doomed. And then we're doomed because it'll take over the planet with our it'll know our, our cliches cachets. and yeah <laughs> we're, we're sold hey where this is this has been great where, where can people connect with you if they want to um reach out either get uh, help with their sales or just connect with you what are some great places for that yeah so linkedin i'm active on linkedin so if you hit me up on linkedin and just connect with me uh yeah shoot me uh question or just a hi it's a great I, I, it's a it's great medium for that so um and then you know our, our website's salesroads.com so you can always look us up there and, and call us that way um and you know just love to to hear from folks and any any questions people have or ideas you know i know a lot of your your listeners are marketing folks so you know any ideas of you know things that you agree with or disagree with it's always great to hear 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 from you from from folks and just talk about it yeah yeah awesome man well we'll put put links in the show notes to that um that's been great man thanks for coming on here and just hanging out with me and chatting sales and piano and all that good stuff yeah no thanks for having me on casey it was fun um and uh yeah we'll we'll, we'll have to get on that 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 book before uh, somebody steals it from us yeah, once, before once we put this, this podcast episode goes live, live. right <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta get to work can't there we go. clear your schedule <laughs> there we go <laughs> well for those people listening if you learned something and i freaking know you did because i have two pages of notes over here front and back then uh share this episode with someone be a thought leader and that's the way you do that is you hop on linkedin and you put your takeaways on there link to the episode in the comments and then tag myself tag david and we'll start a conversation with you on there and that is how you share this information that's how you become a thought leader yourself just by listening and sharing the things you're hearing so good stuff david you're the man let's stay in touch we'll have you come back on here after we publish our, our book together and uh, i'll go from there sounds great thanks awesome. so much take care man for those people listening this has been the hardcore marketing show we will catch you all next time